to your embrace, light of the world forever reign. You are more, you are more than my words will ever say. You are Lord, you are Lord, all creation will proclaim. You are here, you are here, in your presence I'm made whole. You are God, you are God, of all else I'm letting go. I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever reign. heart will sing no other name Jesus Jesus my heart will sing no other name Jesus Jesus my heart will sing no other name, Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing, no other name, Jesus, Jesus, oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever reign, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever reign. Our peace, you are peace. When my fear is crippling, you are true, you are true, even in my wandering. You are joy, you are joy, you're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life, in you dark. I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares 
to your embrace, light of the world forever reign. I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever reign. My heart will sing no other name, Jesus, Jesus. My heart will sing no other name, Jesus, Jesus. My heart will sing no other name, Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing, no other name, Jesus, Jesus. I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever reign, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever reign. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, that we can have peace. We can have joy in your presence, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lost are saved, find their way at the sound of your great name. All condemned, feel no shame at the sound of your great name. Every fear has no place at the sound of your great name. The enemy, he has to leave at the sound of your great name. 
Jesus. Where is the Lamb that was slain for us? Son of God and man, you are high and lifted up. And all the world will praise your great name. Your great name. All the weak find their strength at the sound of your great name. Hungry souls receive grace at the sound of your great name. The fatherless may find their rest at the sound of your great name. The sick are healed. And the dead are raised at the sound of your great name. Jesus, worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us. Son of God and man, you are high and lifted up. And all the world will praise your great name. Redeemer, my healer, Lord Almighty. Defender, my Savior, you are my King. Redeemer, my healer, Lord Almighty, Defender, my Savior, you are my King. Redeemer, my Healer, Lord Almighty, Defender, my Savior, you are my King. Redeemer, my Healer, Lord Almighty, Defender, my Savior, you are my King. Jesus, Jesus, you are high and lifted up, and all the world will praise Jesus, worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us. Son of God and man, you are high and lifted up. And all the world will praise Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us. Son of God and man, you are high and lifted up. And all the world will praise your great name. Your great name. Hallelujah.
Lord Jesus. There is power in your great name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are our deliverer and our healer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was lost. Hallelujah. I was in chains. The world had a hold of me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, when you came to me, hallelujah. I couldn't run, couldn't run from your presence. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his arms. Jesus, he loves me, he loves me, he is for me. Jesus, how can it be, he loves me. He is for me. Yes, Lord, deep in my soul. And now I'll never be the same. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And into the light. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his presence. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his arms. Jesus, he loved me. He loved Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. How can it be? He loves me. He is for me. Holds the stars and he holds my heart with healing hands that bear the scars. The racket cross where he died for me, my only hope, my everything. Jesus, he loves me, he loves me, he is for me. Jesus, How can it be? He loves me. He is for me. Jesus, he loves me. He loves me. He is for me. 
Jesus, how can it be? He loves me. He is for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I'm so thankful that he loves us. Thank you, Jesus, for the love of God that you have sent abroad in our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the love that you bestow so freely and so easily upon us. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for you, Lord God. Because of your love, you suffered on a cross and died for us. Because of your love, you established a relationship with us when we were a long ways off. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and for your grace and for your long-suffering patience, your compassion to us, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. A love we can never earn, a love we can never be good enough to receive. Poured out so easily and so freely. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. The love of God is what caused him to go to a cross, to suffer and to die for us. His love is what caused him to be resurrected from a grave. And through that, to give everlasting life to all those who would hope in Him. What an awesome, awesome God that we serve. He is so good to us. And He loves us so very much. Amen. I can't wait to see Him. To know, even as I am known, what a day that's going to be. Praise God. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15 is where we'll be reading from this morning. First Corinthians chapter 15, we'll take verses 15 through 52 for our scripture text, but we'll be looking at a lot of the chapter. Begins by saying this, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Amen. We'll preach for a few minutes on this topic, the hope of the resurrection. The hope of the resurrection. Let's pray one more time and ask God to 
move mightily here in the remainder of his service today. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for the presence of God manifest here thus far. Thank you, Jesus, for the ministration of the Holy Ghost already accomplished here today. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to do all according to your perfect will, according to all of your heart. Move here today. Minister to each need. Draw us nigh unto you. Fix in our hearts and in our minds and in our eyes again the vision of eternity, the hope that we look forward to in you. Let your name be glorified here today in all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. This last uh, week, my family and I were blessed to attend, kind of weird to say it that way, a funeral. But it was a going home funeral. It was for someone that was, as much as anyone can tell, uh, saved. This person lived for God. He served God. He, he served him with his life. And uh, so those kinds of funerals are a little bit easier to attend. Uh, they're a little bit easier to go to. And the, uh, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful service. And, uh, the, the things that were said again testify of, of the, the man's relationship with God. But in the service, you know, as people are wont to do, they, uh, in a funeral, service, they, they start thinking about things. And I, I was no different. I was thinking about my relationship with God, my relationship with my spouse and my children and, and, uh, my life in general. And, uh, this was a young man, 43, 43 years old and, uh, died of cancer. But, uh, so it, I'm already, a little bit past that, and so by all accounts, I have a little bit to go yet. So the Lord tarry, and he wills it for me. But uh, the thoughts start coming to my mind, what, you know, if I died at 43, where would I have been? What would I, what, what was my relationship with God back then? What was... What was my service to the Lord then? And uh, so then I started thinking again. Well, I got, again, by all accounts, a little bit of time left. What am I going to do with it? It, it, really, it really causes you to start focusing a little bit and, and, and start thinking about the things that are really important because Josh is, is his name. He's, he's in heaven now. He's, I mean, he's, whatever he did or didn't do, it, it's done. He's, he's done. He's no longer part of the spiritual war that we're talking about. He's, he's made it. He's, he's in the presence of God. And, uh, whatever he has or didn't have, it's up there in heaven now. This temporal life is gone for him. He can't go to work. He can't 
make a little bit more money to hopefully pay off that last bill. He can't enjoy the car that he left behind or the, the house that he left behind or any of that. It's all gone for him, given to someone else now. He will use it for a while, and should the Lord tarry, they'll be gone and give it to someone else in, in return. And so we understand, again, through reading Scripture and and uh, experience that this is uh, this life is temporal, it's temporary, ephemeral. It's a proving ground for eternity. It's not our goal. It's something we pass through to get to our goal. Our hope, our reward is in heaven. Now we understand that death is unnatural. It was never supposed to be here. It was never designed to be present in God's creation. That came afterward. When God created Adam and Eve, He gave them physical bodies as well as a spiritual nature before they fell into sin. And that will be important in just a little bit. Both of them, physical and spiritual, were perfect, sinless. And so when God ultimately saves us and brings us to heaven, He will ultimately save both the body and the spirit. Now we understand this present body will not be saved. It will return to the dust from whence it came. And as far as I'm concerned, thank God. But our spirit will return unto God who, who, who made it. And so, our spirits are saved or regenerated or made new when we receive the Holy Ghost. Our bodies when we are resurrected or raptured, we will receive brand new bodies, perfect bodies, spiritual bodies. And this is important for us to understand because in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul was addressing something to the the church at Corinth. He begins his discourse on the doctrine of the resurrection to the church at Corinth by offering a very powerful apologetic demonstrating them that this doctrine of this doctrine of the resurrection is vital to our salvation it's necessary for the resurrection to take place now the corinthians or at least some of them denied the resurrection because uh, their philosophy taught that only the spirit was good the physical was considered evil or corrupt uh this philosophy was known as Gnosticism. And because of this, they didn't want a body in eternity. <clears throat> they didn't want any kind of physical anything because it was evil. It was corrupt. Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis or personal spiritual knowledge, uh, which they placed a lot more value on than revealed truth in Scripture. Uh, doctrines of Gnosticism, they would view material existence as flawed or evil. It presents a distinction between a supreme hidden God and a malevolent lesser divinity, a lot of times associated with the Yahweh of the Old Testament, who created all of the material universe. They consider the principal element of salvation to be direct knowledge of the supreme divinity in the form of mystical knowledge. 
the secret esoteric knowledge is what would save them. And so Paul was addressing this doctrine, in part uh, by addressing the necessity of the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15.12, he says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection from the dead? Because that's what they were preaching. Again, because we don't want a physical body involved. Yes, Jesus is still alive, but he's alive in, in a spiritual form, and that's all it ever was. So Paul is basically saying, if the primary tenet of the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how can you deny that and still be here? Why are you here in church if, if you're denying the, one of the foundational tenets of Christianity? He goes on in verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? That makes sense. He's saying, if what you're saying is true, though, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Jesus isn't raised from the dead either. Because that doesn't happen. He couldn't possibly be the Messiah because that means he's still dead. If this were true, he would have no power over death. He's still dead. And therefore, no power over sin either. Because you see, death came after sin. It's a byproduct. It's a result of. If we can't take care of the symptom, there's no way he can deal with the cause. If he has no power over sin, then we're still in our sins. 1 Corinthians 15.14, he goes on, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. The gospel becomes utterly useless, a complete waste of time. A dead Savior cannot fulfill the promises given to us in the gospel. A dead Savior has not, indeed cannot, overcome death. Otherwise, he would have. And so cannot help us overcome death either. Our faith in Christ would be misplaced. We may as well put our faith in anyone else, ourselves, or even the flying spaghetti monster would be a valid option at this point. It all be the same. Verse 15, he says, Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. In other words, all these eyewitnesses testifying to the fact that he did rise are either sadly mistaken, delusional, or outright lying. And the next argument then, or question that we need to ask, is if they're wrong or lying about this, what else are they lying or wrong about? The prophecies concerning Messiah being raised from the dead would also be wrong. Jesus could not possibly be the Messiah. He could not be the Savior. Verses 16 through 19, he continues, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. <clears throat> Paul indicates that all of this were true. We're still dead in our sins. All those who died believing they were saved, sorry, you're still lost. Those still alive have no hope in salvation. 
But Paul continues. Having demonstrated the necessity of the resurrection, Paul goes on to teach the Corinthians what the resurrection will be for us by using three illustrations. In verses 36 to 38, <coughs> excuse me, he says, Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Okay, he kind of uses an analogy of the seed and the plant. He says the seed's got to die first to grow into a plant. Okay, we understand that. Most of us have planted or seen planted things. The seed goes away and becomes something else. The seed determines the plant. I can't plant a kernel of corn and expect an apple tree to grow. I guess I could expect it, but it won't happen. It just won't. It won't matter how much I believe it or wish it or pray to God. It won't happen. It's going to be a corn plant. Our earthly body is the seed. As the plant is more than the seed, our resurrected body is greater than this earthly body. This, this is the analogy he's using. This body is going to be planted. It's going to die. But it's going to be resurrected something so much greater. So much better. In my youth, I was, I enjoyed my physicality. In my youth, I would look for ways to test my strength. I would pick up great big snow mounds and, and I'd find the biggest rock I could and, and pick it up and I was always testing my strength. I grew up on a farm, so it's a small hobby farm, but plenty of chances to do that. Pick up logs, trees, you know, whatever, whatever I could. Anyway, I, I love doing that. I don't love doing that anymore. <clears throat> it feels different now. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> but in my youth, I really liked the body God gave me. It looked a little funny, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed using it. But we find as, as the years pass that our bodies don't stay that way. They don't stay young and handsome and full head of hair and all of the, the wrinkles that come and we start going like this. <clears throat> less and less I enjoy my body. And less and less I'm looking forward to a new one. <laughs> and a new one we shall have. That is our promise. That is our hope. This is going away and it's going to be replaced with something a lot better. 1 Corinthians uh, 15 and 39 says, All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. Okay, so now he's, he's going to flesh and animals. There's a difference between the flesh of men, the flesh of animals, the flesh of birds, the flesh of fish. Okay, in other words, God created everything to fit in its environment. Okay, we were not made to live in the ocean. Okay, we can swim, we can hold our breath for a little bit, 
But if I stay underwater for a day and a half, um, just leave me there because I'm gone. <laughs> I'd walk away and don't come back because I'm not. But if I brought a fish up here for a day and a half, it would be the same thing. The fish would die. The fish isn't made to be in the air. He can hold his breath, too, for a little bit, but not very long. We're made for our environment. Okay? If I jump off a building and try to flap my arms, I can stay in the air until I'm not. Until the ground meets me. And then, again, depending on how high I am, turn around and walk away because I'm not coming out of that. But a bird can fly for a long time. A resurrected body fits us for our eternal state. This body simply cannot handle eternity. This body was not designed for it. It was designed for the physical world. Even before sin entered, it was designed for the physical world. After sin, now we have death. And this body is going to die. It is going to be destroyed. But it will be replaced with a body more suited for eternity. More suited for being in the direct physical presence of Almighty God. <clears throat> it's going to be an amazing body. We're going to look so nice. Verses 40 and 41. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So now we're talking about the sun, the moon, and the stars. All have a celestial glory. But they're all different. Every star is different. Every star is unique. They're different from every other star. How many stars are there? About 100 billion in this galaxy, and there are approximately 100 billion galaxies in the observable universe. Again, give or take. Uh, so that's a lot of stars. That's a lot of stars. And every one of them are just a little bit different. They have their own signatures, their own unique characteristics. In our glorified bodies, we are going to retain our individuality. We are going to know each other as Sister Bell, as, uh, what's your name? Alex. <laughs> if we can remember. <laughs> we'll know everybody. We're not just going to be some angel strumming a harp with wings and, and halos. That's fiction. That's not what heaven is. <clears throat> we are going to be in glorified bodies, but we will know who everyone is. We will be individuals in heaven. Paul then goes on to use five contrasts to explain the difference between our earthly bodies and our resurrected bodies. 42 through 49, he says this, So also is the resurrection of the dead. 
It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. In other words, all these analogies may be true. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Same truths apply. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that that was not first which is spiritual, but that which was natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is, uh, is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, so shall also bear the image, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Okay. He talks about perishable, imperishable, dishonorable, honorable, weakness, power, natural, spiritual, Adam, and Jesus. The natural comes before the spiritual. In Adam, we have our earthly characteristics. In Jesus, we have our spiritual, our heavenly characteristics. Paul concludes by stating why this would cause us to hope. In 50 through 58, he says this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. We've read these already. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When Christ returns, the Christian will be resurrected and changed. If we make it to the rapture, this body will be burned away and replaced with something eternal, something everlasting. The result is a complete victory over death. In this body, we will never again experience anything relating to death. We will never be sick. We will never experience pain or injury. We will never experience any effects of time. It will not affect us. We will be eternal at that point, in eternal bodies. Because of this hope, we should give thanks and stand firm no matter what happens. We should look to this. As our hope, whatever happens, whatever situations we face, when our bodies continue to get more experienced, we have a hope to look forward to. This is not how things will be. It is how things are presently, but it is not how things will be. 
in that day, everything is going to be made right. In that day, all the books are going to be balanced. In that day, we are going to experience our final and complete salvation. We are saved presently, but we can still make a bad choice. We can still walk away. We're still subject to the ravages of time, sickness, disease, death, afflictions. We're still subject to the foibles of, of life. The laws of this universe. But then, we will be above all of that. It will not affect us. It will not touch us anymore. There will be no more sin in our lives. No more struggle. No more situations that present themselves where we have to make a choice. All of that goes away. It's a beautiful, blessed hope. And when we think about it to the extent that we can, when we just sit there and meditate on what God has in store for us, sometimes it begins to get a little bit unbelievable. It's too perfect. It's too good. How could that possibly be? All I've ever known is this. This is all we've ever experienced. We understand death because we live it all the time. As children, our, our, our favorite pets, they're born, we raise them, and eventually they die. Our great-grandparents, and then our grandparents, and then eventually our parents die. We understand that. We don't like it. We hate it. We despise it. But we understand it. We don't understand this. How could things be so good all the time? And I'll be honest, every great once in a while, as I'm meditating on heaven, I start thinking, this can't be right. i I got to be missing something here. I've never doubted the existence of heaven. I believe heaven exists and my, my faith is intact. But, but looking at everything that, that we're going to be experiencing and, and receiving, I'm like, all of this forever? This can't be right. There's got to be something else. There's got to be a missing element here. Because I can't understand it. I can't fully grasp it in its entirety. But I've looked. As far as I can tell, that's just the way it is. It really is going to be that good. And it's really going to last forever.
So as Christians, we ought to focus all the more on our everlasting hope. This is our goal. This is why we do what we do. We want to bring everybody with us that we can. But this is the goal for us and everyone else. Eternity with Jesus Christ. What an awesome hope that is. If you look at the hopes offered different religions, nothing comes close. Nothing comes even close to what the Christian has to hope for. I don't have to be resurrected into some higher form or reincarnated. As a woman, you don't have to look forward to being eternally pregnant, as some religions teach. This is, to the extent that I can accept it, as exciting as I could ever imagine. Eternity. And as we talked about last service, the more, the more our attention is fixed to that, the more our actions and our heart is affixed to eternity. Where your treasure is there will your heart be also. That is absolutely true. If what I value is eternity, spiritual things, then I'm going to be looking forward to that with everything in me. But if I stay fixed down here, if I stay focused on temporal things, if that's where my heart is, I'm not going to value this because we can't serve both. I'm not going to value this the way I need to. If we understand what what we have to look forward to, if we understand what's waiting for us in eternity, we ought to be pursuing that with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every single day we ought to be moving as much as we can closer to that. And the ultimate object of my time there isn't the eternal body. It isn't the treasures that are laid up. It isn't the mansion. It isn't the streets of gold. It isn't even seeing you guys. Although I am looking forward to all of that. It's seeing Jesus Christ. Seeing Him. And again, if I don't have a relationship with Him down here, I'm not going to be looking for Him up there. I'm not going to be looking forward to seeing Him. Why would I? I don't know who He is. I don't. He's just some guy that... I worship on Sunday. He's so much more than that. He has got to be everything to us. Because when we're in heaven, that's who's going to be there. And we're going to be there in his presence because of him. Not because of me. Not because of you. 
He's the one dragging us there. A lot of times, despite ourselves. He puts desire in our hearts. He puts longing in our hearts for Him. They're not born naturally. I'm thankful He does. We need Him so very much. But I'm looking forward to seeing Him. I'm looking forward to talking with Him. Feeling His hands. Touching His side. I'm looking forward. Yeah, Brother Shepherd, absolutely. Laying my crown at His feet. I'm so looking forward to that. Giving it all back to Him. What a hope we have, church. What a promise we have. When we experience fear, when we experience doubt or When we get into a place in our lives where the situations we're in kind of overwhelm us, I think a lot of times the reason for that is that our goal has become dim. We start losing focus. Like Peter, we start looking at the storm instead of Jesus Christ. We stop looking at things through eternal, through eternity. We start seeing the day-to-day. I'm not saying the day-to-day isn't important. But in context, in perspective, it really isn't. If I lose everything, that's hard. That's tough. Absolutely. But what is that in view of eternity? I've, I'm losing it anyway. I just lost it a little bit earlier. But it's, I'm still going to lose it. Should the Lord tarry? The beautiful home that the Lord has blessed us with, it's going to be passed on to people who have no idea what to do with it. they will by then (laughs) it's all gone in my heart it should be gone now anyway what's real to me is this what means something to me is this eternity my goal, my hope That's what I'm doing this for, to see Him, to live with Him forever. That's why we do what we do. That is the ultimate goal. That is the end game. That's that's what we have to look forward to, our rest, our retirement. We don't have to fight anymore. We don't have to be vigilant anymore. 
We don't have to walk circumspectly and redeem the time anymore. Time doesn't matter anymore. Time is gone. We're in eternity now. There's no enemy to fight. Everything in us is perfectly aligned with Jesus Christ. Perfectly and forever aligned with Him. There's no struggle in here. There's no struggle out here. Just an eternity of absolute bliss. To the extent that we can imagine that. To the extent that we can accept that. That ought to be our hope. That ought to be our strength in difficult times. Because no matter what happens down here, no matter what happens, if I get sick, if I get, uh, if I lose possessions, if I lose my hair, if I lose anything, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because I have everything waiting for me. I'll never lose anything again. We'll never lose anything again. We'll never be able to spend our treasure. It's going to be there waiting again. Not the next day. There are no days. But you know what I mean. Next time I go to my treasure, it's there waiting again. I used that yesterday. It's Here it is again. This is our hope. This is what we have to look forward to. We ought not as Christians be always down and depressed. We ought not as Christians, now again, please understand. I understand that we have days of uh, being frustrated and discouraged. I get that. I do too. Uh, I understand that. But I'm talking about long term. If we have this hope, that should bolster us. We ought not be discouraged long-term as a Christian. We ought to look at life hopefully. We ought to look at life optimistically. No matter matter what's happening, no matter what we're going through. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter anyway. What does matter is secure. Everything that does matter is waiting. And it's going to be there for all eternity. I will never face one injustice in heaven. There will be no unfairness in heaven. Nothing. If I experience it down here, that's the world I live in. That's the situation I'm in right now. But I'm looking forward to a time where that will never happen again. Never. And whether it takes me Till tomorrow to get there, or another 50 years to get there. 107 years. 97 years. I'm going to be living to 150, should the Lord tarry. I tell my family that all the time. (laughs) Anyway, we'll see. In any case, however long it takes, I'm going to end up there. I'm going to get there. And I'm going to see Jesus. I hope to see all of you. I think I will. Because it's going to be a time. It's going to be a time. Let's all stand.